Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. I'm Gabriel Wiseman, a mandolin player with the Jacktown Ramblers, and today I'm here on Big Sound Small Town. Thank you, Sandy, for having me on the show, man. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Appreciate I know it's it. a drive down, a little drive down the mountain. Oh, it's not too awful bad. Where, where are you located? I live in Marion, Marion, North Carolina, not too far from here. Some fine musicians in Marion. Yeah, there's a there's fine musicians all over this state. I'll tell you. There, there really are. They're everywhere. So, um, you talked not long ago with the. Uh, one of our bandmates, yeah. Mr. Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, I did. Actually, I, I've never met the guy. Uh, in person, we, we talked uh, during the very beginning of COVID over the phone. It was a fun interview. He's a fun guy. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's a, he's a lot of fun, but he's better at a distance like that. You're probably better <laughs> off not to have him in person. You know? Well, maybe so, because he's, he's a bass player, so we, yeah. we've, um, you know, that we share that in common, joke, the whole jokes and everything about it, so... Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a good. That was a good episode. I listened to that. Yeah. He, he was fun. I actually, he told me stuff I didn't know. I did, I did not really realize his part in WNCW. Oh yeah, yeah. Him and Russ Jordan. Yeah. And uh, 
He's a big part of that. And the big bluegrass festival in Morton. True, yes, he the was. The red, white, and bluegrass, yes. yeah. Yep, he told me that. IBMA, part of yep. the IBMA for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is. He's uh, done a lot for our music. He has. Oh, and he does the, uh, he teaches bass through the. Uh, yep, the uh, jam. Yep, Junior jam. Appalachian yep. musicians. So, yep, he was pretty fun with that. Yeah. So how did you get involved with him? <laughs> how did I get involved with him? Well, he used to play with my dad. Oh, okay. My dad played in the Linville Ridge Band with him and his son, Aaron. Yeah. And some of them for uh, Wood, Perry Woody yeah. for a long time. And I've known of Mike for, for a long, long time. We've run across each other here and there and jammed and stuff. But, yeah, uh, the way he kind of come about being a part of the band was uh, we, had a, we had a gig in West Virginia at a festival sort of thing up there. And uh, me and him were staying together in Nashville at the Spigma, the Society for the Preservation right. of Bluegrass Music in America. We were mm -hmm. staying together in a hotel there when I got the call about that gig in West Virginia. And uh, the guy that had been helping us before, Joe, couldn't make that gig. So when Mike come, showed up to the hotel room, I said, hey, you want to go to West Virginia and play a gig? He said, yeah. And... Uh, that was it. He wow. sort of took over the bass gigs right. from there. He sounds good on bass. He's a great sure. one, yeah, that's for sure. He sure does. Now, um, you're a mandolin player. Not a lot of mandolin I try players to around <laughs> anymore. So uh, you come from a musical family, right? Yes, sir. So I guess you've been playing since you were like three years old. I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was around it since I was in the womb, I'm sure. But... Uh, Never really took it up, to be honest, Sandy. I, I do recall being a young child, maybe second or third grade, getting a guitar for Christmas one year, and my dad showed me a few little things on it, and I do vaguely remember hauling it to school one time and playing in the auditorium at Glen Alpine Elementary School. And I think I might have played the ballad of Jake Clampett and sang it on the guitar there, but that was, the, that was it. I pretty much didn't take it up at all or, or didn't stick you tell with me you it did at all as a kid. Didn't you tell me you did something else with your guitar case? Yeah, I carried G.I. Joe's around <laughs> in it more than I played the guitar. I used the case That's to haul G.I. Joe's around. And they weren't great. good for that. And never done them G.I. Joe's and end up inside the guitar, too. That's great. And you, you talk about you ever try to get a pick out of a guitar, you ought to try to shake... You ought to try to uh, shake old King Cobra out of one of them, the old G.I. Joe. That's so funny. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I didn't really take it up at all until I was around 20 years old. I was probably 19, 20 before I got my first mandolin and started trying to learn it. I didn't remember anything from back when I was two or three and had learned some chords on the guitar. Not two or three, second or third grade. Were and had learned a few a things on the guitar. Were you around a mandolin player at that time? I was absolutely around a, a, a lot of great musicians. My dad being a uh, really, really good mandolin player, fiddle player, guitar player, banjo player mainly mandolin and fiddle, but uh, David Wiseman, my father, yeah. probably the single biggest influence in my life on music, you know, they were period. Both, both big influences on a lot of people. Yeah, he, he was a really great mandolin player, or still, I was, great mandolin player, fiddle player. And uh, at back then, when I was around 18, 19, 17, I guess in that age somewhere, me and a lot of my friends would go and hear my dad's band, he was playing at the time with a band called the Stetson Band. Yeah. And they were a really good country band mm -hmm. in the area. And they played a lot at a place called Smoky Creek Barbecue and other things. But 
I do remember going to see see him a lot at Smoky Creek. Yeah. And it was my dad, yep. Steve Bradshaw, Dale Myers, Dwight Parker, great bass player and singer. Oh, I played in bands with him. Man, he's a great guy. Yeah. Joe Eddie Shuffler played the drums. Mm -hmm. And that little band was awesome. They yeah. were a good country band. They were, and they did some bluegrass stuff on they the did. set. And I ate that up. Me and my buddies really, we enjoyed that a lot. Or I did. I really, that's when I got the big time bug. That, and I remember going and buying, uh, my dad used to, he sung a song, and I can't remember what it was, but I think it might have been a Newgrass Revival. Good oh, Woman's yeah. Love or oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I remember, oh, yeah. I remember, uh, few of the tunes that he sung or the band did that I was just like, man, I want to find copies of that or, you know, who did right. that? And I'd yeah. ask, and I remember going and buying, back then in Morton, there was a place called Tape Town, and I found a Newgrass Revival yeah. CD that had Good Woman's Love on it, and I bought that and started listening at it. And really, I had never really bought any kind of bluegrass or acoustic right. music CDs you know I was listening to other stuff back then rock and this and that yeah Not, I like all kinds of music still today but that's when I got bit by the bug to want to learn how to play and when I decided I was going to play I I'm a jump in with two feet kind of person and I went at it really hard trying to learn well Sam Bush is a pretty good person to yeah. <laughs> emulate a little bit yeah I mean. well I wouldn't say I learned any of his stuff <laughs> maybe some but well I, I've seen Sam so many times at Green Acres. Uh -huh, uh, I went down there. Yeah, it's a fun place. It was a fun place. Uh, so, okay, so, so you start playing mandolin. Now, do you instantly put yourself in a band? No, no. <laughs> I, I guess what happened with me when I started learning to play is I got a little mandolin, and my dad showed me a few little chords, up on, and uh, Mama's Little Baby Loves Shortening yeah. Bread. He showed me a little ditty, 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 ditty. Yeah on a couple strings with that. And I I took it, I did buy a few books. I did, I think I, I remember having a video, VHS tape of some kind, Butch Baldessari or somebody. Yeah. And I, at the time, I wasn't really dating a whole lot. I seen a few people here and there, but I worked second shift at Broughton Hospital yeah. when I got out of high school. And I was working at Broughton Hospital in Morganton, the psych hospital. Second shift, and I would pretty much, for about two, maybe three years, I pretty much worked second shift, got up at 7 in the morning, played the mandolin until about 2.30 or 3 to go to work, went to work, come home, played the mandolin until I went to sleep, got up and did it again. And I pretty much just laid in there as hard as I could for two or three years and then got to where I could play a little. Well, you know I guess the first place I ever went out and played where I was around anybody and tried to do it was the Drexel Barbershop, the jam. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I've that. been there, yeah. I went and dropped in there yeah. and uh, tried to Were you nervous? Uh, yeah, of course I was, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I got in there and did the best I could. And Over time it developed and I got a little bit better, I guess, over the years. and Got lucky enough to end up playing in different configurations with different people and getting the jam. And I, One of the things I'll say about this style of music is the people you meet, and I've just met and got to know and made friends with so many mm -hmm. great people. Some of the best friends I have in this world I've met through playing music, you know. Oh, yeah. And the bluegrass uh, community is particularly strong that way. Yeah, You know, more so than other music forms. I, I think maybe because it is 
built around a jam more than any other yeah. style of music. Yeah, it is. I, and also, like, depending on each other for help in this oh, and that. Yeah. Like, you know, I fill in for bands here sure. and there. We've had people fill in with us. Like, uh, there's a really great musician named uh, Nate Moody, lives down in Lenore. And he's the number one call usually when our guitar player right. can't make something. We call Nate, and if he if he's free at all, he's willing to step in there and help us. Yeah, and does a great job. And like the the good thing, like it seems to be a common language. Most of us play or at least know or have heard some of the same music and songs and so on. So we uh, can just interchange between each other, you know. I can step in and fill in with a band that I maybe have never played with right. before, and and yes, yeah, the vice versa. Part. Yeah. That's the beautiful part with bluegrass acoustic music, some somewhat, but bluegrass more than any other. I mean, uh, rock bands don't get together and jam and do that and, much, or, right. or you know call each other up. You just wind up not being able to play if you're a guitar player. Yeah, Can't unless play. you get in the band, yeah. You know, so there's just not as much. That that makes for a great community of musicians. It does. The only da I mean, the only time that <clears throat> now and then, like, if somebody were to come and fill in, we have some originals and stuff right, like that. Yeah. You know, we might have to run through that with sure. somebody or just not do that song. Right, yeah. At that gig yeah. that day, you know. Yeah, Don't oh, want yeah. to do Nine Pound Hammer or something instead. Yeah, you know, yeah, something there's that plenty of a, what I would call the standards that everybody is. knows or has heard that we can cover and yeah well and just like with any style of music you're going to have to do covers to do your own stuff I mean, yeah yeah I mean, if you go out and do just your own stuff uh it's not going to grow as well or as fast as if you surround it with covers yeah I mean, and the interesting thing too a lot of times with the crowds depending on where you're playing like with bluegrass we may go play a winery in hendersonville or something right. and most of the people sitting there don't even know that those are bluegrass covers because they've never heard Old Home Place. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is true. For all yeah, they know, yes, yes. Uh, unless you do Fox on the Run, Man yeah. Across the Sorrow, or something, yeah, something they don't. Like that. They don't recognize half true. of any of it. True. <laughs> now that we do run into some people that are grass fans at these things that yeah. know the tones and want to hear certain ones, calling out, wanting to hear some Ralph Stanley tunes or something. But you know? but you guys are a grass, a bluegrass band, and not particularly a string band. Yeah, I guess I'd say the majority of what we do is bluegrass oriented, but we do try to sprinkle in and, and branch out some. We right. do do some gypsy jazz sort of oh, tunes yeah. and some swingy tunes, and yeah. I guess some stuff might would fall into the string band category a little bit, but primarily we're a bluegrass, bluegrass band. We band. just try to break it up. Sure, I guess you sure. know, stretch it out. I, I love the, I love his style of music, obviously, and and play it, but I can't listen to but to so much. Well, myself. I mean. I, I need mean, it broken up. Yeah, I need it broken <laughs> up too. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be truthful with you. The standards that you do, sometimes it's nice to go away from three or four chords. <laughs> yeah, and we do have a lot of teams that do that. You yeah. know, you got to get yeah, away I, from I that did. stuff. I did. I heard some almost gypsy swing stuff you guys do. Yeah, we do some stuff so, like that. So we, a lot of David Grit, not a lot, but some David yeah. Grisman tunes. Right. And, which is some of that stuff's that, out there. Some of that stuff's yeah. a little wild with the chords. Well, when Tony, Wright, when Tony Rice has to take lessons to play your music, that tells you the music's complicated. Yeah. I, I, saw where, I saw where he asked Tony to take lessons so he could play with him. Wow. Now, now yeah, that's some pretty hard stuff. Yeah. If you're making Tony take lessons to play. So, so how about Jacktown Ramblers? Is this, how long have you guys been together? I guess we've been at it for, in this configuration, 
with the four guys that are pretty much doing everything together now about a year something like that but that name we've used back before it all started with me and shannon as a duet oh okay some stuff and then over time yeah, we've had a good oh he's a great guitar <laughs> player you want to hear him play the banjo too really oh my gosh he's you guys boss. got a good banjo player too though yeah yeah brett's a great banjo player mike of course is an awesome bass man and a great songwriter yeah and uh i've wrote a couple tunes that we do or well some instrumentals and the one song that we sing and mike's got some stuff but I feel real fortunate to play with these guys. Not only are they good musicians that can cover the type of material that you're interested in doing and have the skill and ability to do it, but the more important thing really is that you can get along and everybody yeah. jails and there's no mm-hmm. big heads or egos. You know, we just we got to put up with some of Brett's ignorance, and you know he likes to do that interpretive dance <laughs> stuff, which is fine. It, it kind of drums up some business for his interpretive <laughs> dance track to repair down there in Morton. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whatever works yeah we're gonna we're gonna do a poster of him in some leotards wearing some some of my wife's skinny jeans or something doing the just waving them things around oh, and doing yeah that's, that'd be good i can't wait to see that manager player and interpretive dance you're gonna have to send me that video yeah. when get that done. so we have a good time and i think a big part of uh now this is sidestepping a little bit from your question originally i'm sorry but i think a big part of uh, a band going out and playing is as big or maybe bigger part of it is not the music you play and how well you sing and play together and all that but you got to be entertaining yeah you got to have some you got to have some good stage presence be able to you talk do. to the people interact and you get them on your side you've got it whipped well you it's know, easy from there you know how many times we've probably both gone to see people that we really like when we listen to him on record and see him live and go, I'm a little disappointed, you know? Yeah. You know he just stood there and sang, or she just stood there and they, sang. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole different ball game, the performance yeah. side of it. It is. is. And the bands that, uh, to me, that I enjoy watching are people like Dale McCurry. Dale smiling the whole time, sure. having a big old time. And, you know, and, and you'll see these great musicians that you look up to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. Well, we're all human. Yeah. And when people make a mistake, it makes it real. And it just does. laugh and go on. John Duffy used to, John Duffy. he'd hit the wrong note, be sharp or something. He'd say, wow. You know, and and the whole crowd would just laugh and go on with it. You know, they, they, it's almost like it endears them. Yeah, John was one too. of a kind, man. Oh, yeah, Lord have mercy. That, is, uh, that man is it's a good thing he was one of a kid. It, it is a good thing. I don't thing. think the world could handle two. I don't think they could. You know? I mean, he is so talented, but he is so different, too. Yeah, I mean, he was funny. I mean, you would have a hard time if you were around him much thinking that he was a bluegrass mandolin player. Yeah, I know. You know, so. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good example of, of – and, and, you know, they were so good at being entertainers also. Uh, and that is a big part of it. I mean, it's called entertainment business. Live bands do better if they're entertaining than if they just stand there and play. Oh, yeah. I was uh, running sound uh, a few years ago, a year and a half ago, before this COVID stuff hit at the Spillway in Marion for bands that would come in there and uh, And see some really great, very good, Mm -hmm. talented people come to play that, not to knock them at all, I'm not saying anything negative, but, but... they played their songs and never spoke to the crowd and never that's a good spillway is a good place though man. Yeah. that's a good place yeah so they let y'all play bluegrass in there too yeah we we were playing there pretty regular of course right now things are closed down right there. 
Oh yeah, things are closed down. Yeah, things are closed down. Let's let's um yeah, let's address that. Now tell me about playing music during the COVID time, what you guys have done. It's been different. We've we've actually taken up uh we did a few live streams yeah, from Mike's basement, yeah. and uh, that went pretty good. You know, I think you got there's a balance of keeping things out in front of people a little bit. Yeah, we've done. We were lucky. We had a lot of cancellations, just like everybody else did, and we lost a lot of gigs that were planned. But at the same time, we had plenty still to do. I feel like right. we didn't have but a small period there where we didn't play any. That's good. And then things kind of stayed back up a lot of our stuff had been outdoors and places that were socially distancing right. and trying to be safe and smart about it and we didn't be, we've been able to get out and play and stayed fairly busy and here just a week or so ago booked eight or ten gigs right. for next year that's great already. and uh, we're actually going to be playing i don't know when this is going to air but we're going to be playing here in shelby coming up real soon and we were playing this saturday in uh hendersonville at point lookout vineyards oh that's great yeah um, well, obviously, during this time, also, you found time to do some recording. Yeah, uh, I've got a little project out. Is that what you're asking about? Yes, kind of what I'm asking about. Yeah, so I've got a little album that just come out here in September. It was released about the middle of September, and uh, I recorded this myself. I played everything on it. I'm playing mandolin, guitar, and bass. Oh, okay. And it's a mandolin album. It's all instrumentals. There's 13 tracks. I wrote three of them. And, of course, I've got some Frank Wakefield and some Bill Monroe on here. But I also got a tune I recorded by a friend of mine, Alan Babby. He's a mandolin player. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Great. He's, he's yeah, one of mandolin players of the year the last two years. Yeah, I know him. Recorded mm -hmm. one of his tunes. And another friend, uh, uh, Emery Lester, let me record yeah. one of his. I talked oh, yeah. to them, and they, they were gracious enough to let me record some songs that they wrote, which were very challenging tunes. But... It's yeah. done all right. It's been out for a couple, I guess it's been out about a month and a half now, and it's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Panda. Well, I don't know about Panda. I know it's on all kinds of platforms. Right. Uh, Amazon Music, all that good shit. Well, can you get a real copy of it you if can't get a real copy. You can. You can get a real copy if you come see the band, or you go on uh, the band website and look at my page. There's the link on there to, to where you can order it online, and I'll mail it out to you. I've seen them everywhere, Germany. There you Japan, go. I've mailed these. Uh, you wouldn't. Uh, funny thing is to hear about a. I don't know if it, the timing. I guess just I was lucky. I put out the record set about the middle of September, and about the about a week later, I was asked by David Benedict on Manland Mondays to do a Manland Monday episode. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so I recorded the Manland Monday episode, and that went up on the Manland Cafe, and then. The, Scott at the Manlin Cafe, which is a website, right. you know, he asked about doing a little news write-up on the release, and and that just made it. Oh yeah, that always really helps. did good. Like all of a sudden, I had four or five thousand streams on Spotify, you know, just like that. And I was like, wow, this is now the four or five thousand. I mean, you know, we bluegrass music's made me the. The hundred air I am. Yes, I do. Podcasting yeah, is made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, make, yes. you don't make any money doing it, but that ain't why we're doing it. No, we do it for not. love it's, of it. It's not. It's anybody that gets into the music for um, the money's sake will be badly, badly disappointed. disappointed. That's yeah, right. They're going to yeah. find out real fast that a lot of other things pay pay better. Well, you know what they say: uh, uh, only band people load up. You know, 
$10,000 worth of instruments into a $500 car. Exactly. And drive, drive 500 drive. miles exactly. to make $50. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean every musician does yeah. that. Yeah, know? that's the way it is. Or, or if you're bluegrass players, you do it for hot dogs and, and, and yeah, beer. Yeah, sometimes. Know? Yeah, I, that's kind of a joke. That That's not the case anymore. I mean, yeah. but it used to be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, bluegrass, you know, you know, a lot of it helps with festivals, but actually one of the godsends these days for uh, – all musicians, but particularly bluegrass musicians, have been craft breweries. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done some brewery stuff and wineries too. Wineries, yeah. Wineries are a big yep. thing. Craft breweries right. and wineries has been good for that. Uh, more places to play than there used to be. Yeah. Better, better places to play than there used to be. So. Now, okay. We just. I'm going to have to. This is varying from the subject here but you have a very interesting musical family yeah we uh you need to touch on that so people know okay about that i mean sure it's uh unlike most people uh there's a good bit more to your music heritage than a lot of people's yeah i guess that's true there's a you know like i said already my dad david wiseman well respected, great well musician. Respected. Played with a lot of different folks over the years. Mm -hmm. Played with uh, uh, what was that name of the band he was in with Jason Burleson, oh, wow. Perry Woody, and them. It was I can't remember I the can't name remember off the top either. of my head, but uh, maybe I'll come back to that. He's played with a lot of great bands over the years. Raymond Fairchild, yeah. you know, a lot of different people, and then uh, his parents or his dad played i've got my grandfather's guitar at the house old yeah. Gibson guitar yeah that's great it's really good that's on i used it to record this record oh and uh his my grandfather's brother kent wiseman was a great banjo player way ahead of his time mm -hmm. he was killed him and his whole family was killed in a car accident yeah. by a drunk driver in the 50s i think it was then there's lula bell and scotty wiseman who right. would uh yeah, I've really well known for really their well music known. stuff. Yes, they, they are. I, you know, I've actually been on shows. Uh, of course, I'm stating my age too, but that they were on. You know, mm -hmm. so um, great musicians. They they were the uh, National Barn Dance WLS. Yeah, yeah in they Chicago had, they had that big thing which was big, and WSCM Grand Old Opry Barn Dance. They were a big part of that from the 30s to the 40s. They had 20 million Americans tuned in regularly to that show. Yeah, they, they were did. huge. They were called the Sweethearts of the Opry. Yep. They had uh, some pretty big hits. With this is early country music, kind of. Yeah, really. it is really. Uh, and uh, they did the National Barn Dance. All the they, they were just huge. They, they were huge. Recorded yeah. on Columbia Records, Bluebird Records, and uh, Scotty Wiseman's in the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah, it should be. Uh, Without a doubt. He, once they stopped kind of playing music and moved back up to Spruce Pine, where all my family's from, right. Scotty went to teaching school, and Lulabelle went on to become a North Carolina uh, House representative <laughs> and was one of the first female, maybe the first female representative for the North Carolina. See, that's Senate. something to be really yeah. proud of, too. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And really. then my grandfather's brother, Jimmy Wiseman. Yeah great fiddle player who played he actually lived in forest city and 
we're here at the Earl Scruggs Center yes, recording this. Everybody knows who Earl Scruggs is. Yep. Foggy Mountain Breakdown, yeah. and Lester Flat, and Earl Scruggs. Sure. I mean, he's a legend if there ever was one in this type of music. Well, him and Jimmy played together as teenagers here in Shelby. They were they used to play together when they were teenagers. My great uncle Jimmy was. Well, they're both fine musicians, no doubt. And Jim played all over the country from uh, Alaska, lived in California and worked at, uh, what was the name of that? I'm trying to think of the big city out there. He's on the Arthur Smith show. Uh, yeah, you know, that's thinking about that. Arthur Smith used to draw from that area, actually, a lot of musicians to be uh -huh. on his show sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I actually saw him on Arthur Smith. Oh, did you? It's, and being a fiddler, you know, that was one of the things that I was always drawn to as fiddle players. And uh, I, actually, I actually watched Arthur Smith twice a day as a kid growing oh, up. Oh, yeah. In the mornings and at night it would wow. come on. So yeah. I, I saw a lot, a, a guy named, Bobby Denton, who was from that area. Bobby's from down here in Moore's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's from kind of that area. He was on there, too. Mm -hmm. Bobby's a great player, too. Man. Yeah, Bobby's a great player, too, yeah. Him and my dad played together a lot over the years. And uh, then Jimmy, you know, he did his thing all over the country playing music. He was in the early part of big country stuff for, for a long time. Right. And then uh, my mother, my my great aunt, yeah. my grandfather's sister, married Charlie Moore, <laughs> who was a great sure. bluegrass yeah. singer, songwriter. And, he was. Uh, I can't go through all the things he did, but he was a pretty big deal he in the bluegrass thing. He was a pretty big thing, deal in bluegrass, you know? yes, he was. Uh, and he married my, until he, he was married, they was married until he died, Lois Constable, who's also well known. Her son billy constable yes one of the greatest musicians i agree <laughs> billy, ever around man he could play billy was, anything yeah billy was the bomb billy could play anything he was and he, i don't mean just play it i mean I like know, make yeah. everybody sit up and take notice we were actually playing a gig in Asheville one night and this guy that was into uh django reinhardt yeah. style guitar and i can't remember the guy's name super nice guy showed up at our thing francois viola no, I know Francois, uh, yeah, but yeah. that wasn't who it was. Okay. Francois is back in France now. Oh, he is. Yeah, but him and my dad played together okay. a lot. I, I just that's just one of the people I know who, yeah, who does yeah, that. Francois, so he's I, a good old boy. Yeah, Francois is. Yeah. So anyway, this guy shows up and he was talking about uh, I forget how it come up. But we were talking about music and like a, he was talking about the big swing gypsy jazz kind right. of Django jam thing that went on in the Asheville area about once a year, and that it's all these really great. Django style players, you know, that were there and somehow Billy come up and he he had no idea that I was related to right. Billy, you know, but he was right. talking about Billy because Billy had just passed not long right. before yeah. that. And, Billy was uh, fabulous. And he said, that, he said, man, this cat from down your way used to come up there. He'd show up. His name was Billy Constable. And he said he would show up, man, and everybody take notice. And now this cat just blowed everybody away. Nobody... He'd embarrass people, and I was like, <laughs> and, and Billy didn't did, even really. play that style of music right. often, it, you know. True, true. Just, right. He could just, <laughs> yeah. And he'd play a Yamaha guitar with action an inch high, on, you know, know, like <laughs> which, which always was. I, but that tells you right there that a lot of times it's the player, and not the instrument. That's I exactly mean, right. He, I mean, he was great. Yeah, I saw him do that. Now, which was, uh, 
Yeah, he played with the Dillards. And of course, did. Charlie Moore, an interesting little story, and I think maybe Mike touched on this, but when I was born, my dad was off playing music, right. I think, at a college somewhere, an all-girls college or something. He was playing music somewhere anyway, and it was snowing, it was bad weather, it was November, and uh, I was born in Banner Elk Hospital, and I think Charlie Moore bought a little pair of baby-sized cowboy boots and went by where my dad was playing oh. and pinned a note on the boots and put them in the front seat of daddy's car so when he come out from the gig, right. he would find it, and it said, go by the hospital, somebody there wants to see you. And it, Charlie Moore left that note for my cool. dad to go to the hospital because I was born. I was here. Yeah. <laughs> that's too cool, man. Yeah, really, that's that's kind of neat. But yeah, the whole family had a lot of history of that style. Of and we had a huge bluegrass festival that Lois put on, my great aunt Lois, for Kent Wiseman, who the one that was killed in the car right. accident. And it was at the Kent Wiseman Memorial Park, Kent Wiseman Memorial Bluegrass Festival. And it had every, I wish I had brought some flyers to show you, Sandy. It had everybody that was everybody back then came and played uh, the festival. Oh, Stayed at my grandparents' house. Oh, that's too Bill cool. Monroe, Lester Flatt, Earl right. Scruggs, Mac Wiseman, everybody was there. Uh, Stan, Keith Whitley and Ricky Skaggs, yeah, when yeah. they was with Keith, Sta with, uh, Ralph, Stanley Ralph Stanley played there. Yeah. All of these folks came and they did this big festival for years and uh, eventually it died out, but man, I've got some of the flyers at the house from that original wow, festival. That's, yeah, I love that. And it's just the top names in bluegrass back then would come and play that festival. And it was in on our family land in Spruce Pine up in Avery County, North That's Carolina. That's too cool. And Eddie Loveless, you know Eddie? I do. Okay, so Eddie's my cousin, bass player, you know. <laughs> Man, yeah. Well, Eddie was in the car when Kent and the family was killed. Oh, he was really? the only survivor in the car oh. accident. And Eddie's house is the stage where that festival was. Oh. He built the, the, the stage, stage that these people all stood on and played is Eddie's living room. He built around it that and made a house cool. there on that land. He, he owned the land, and he lives on the front stage, of on the main stage of the that is too cool. Bluegrass Festival. That is really, really cool. And it was huge. I mean, people came from everywhere. I, from what I heard and have been told is uh, one of the things that kind of had it stopped was the traffic was so, so bad. Much. Like it was backed up and on sure I-40 trying to get to Spruce Pine. Wow. Which you know how far I-40 is from Spruce Pine. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good place. Yeah. It was a huge festival. That's a huge festival, no doubt. That's and, uh, my grandmother burnt Bill Monroe's biscuits and said he never said a word about it. <laughs> that's he a just great ate story. Them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's and my dad's little band, Leather Bridges, they played to that festival. That was him and, and Billy Constable and Eddie and some of them. Wow. That's, and, uh, that's a great story there. Yeah. That's all. It was cool. I, I need to I'm proud to be a part of all that. I, I hope that someday I'm laying my own stamp to the tire name as a musician as well, a band and family or whatever you I, know i see that you are that's a good i don't know you have children i got three i know of <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i got three kids i got a boy who's 16 a girl who's 15 and another girl who's about to turn 13. are they so. are they musically inclined a little bit uh my son hasn't never taken up any interest. Of course, neither did I. Well, I was just like him. When I turned 20, I couldn't, I, I was eat up with it. Exactly. But he's he has no interest, and if he never does, that's fine too. My oldest daughter, Geneva, actually got a song on here. The second song in this album is called Geneva's Dream. And uh, 
it's named after her, kind of. But she, she is, has taught herself how to play the ukulele, the keyboards, and the guitar oh, yeah. on her own. I've never showed her a chord even. Yeah. I can't play a ukulele. I don't know the first thing on it. I can't play no, a keyboard. No one should. She's, she's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's taught herself how to play all kinds of stuff on these things oh, yeah, all on awesome. her own. Right. And, of course, none of it's bluegrass style stuff. Right. But she does some gospel things and popular music that she sure. likes listening to, whatever the little country stars are right now and all that. I was just trying to see if this was going to move on down the line. It might. My other daughter, my youngest, she has messed with the bass a little bit, and she's messed with the mandolin just a little bit, and they play ball. You sure? And they've got so much school pressure nowadays, they and do. all these different things going on, and so. Oh, I agree. well. If they do, they do. If they don't, no. they don't. You no. know, I'm I'm not concerned with. It. I, I obviously I would like to see the legacy carried on sure. somehow through my nieces and nephews or my own children or somebody because eventually it'll die off if it don't and it's just such a strong legacy the name the wiseman with this type of music i'd hate to see it just die not, off not only that wiseman's tied to something else too with north carolina is it not uh is there not a view of the brown mountain lights brown mountain lights yep so and yeah. uh who was it wrote that song yeah tommy fail yeah, yeah. Well, let me, I mean, is that, you know, since that's the view, is that, did that come somehow? I believe through? it's named after, through the family. Yeah, yeah I think it, it has is. has something to do with that. Yeah, I figured it did. Uh, I've sit up there, <laughs> that overlooked me times, trying yeah. to see the brown mountain lights. And There's a lot of stories about what that is and stuff. That's a cool, yeah. that draws people from all over the world. It does. To, to see. It does. Yeah. I, I can't tell you that I've ever seen them, but I've gone to look at them, look for them yeah. a lot of times. I've time. seen them. I've never seen them. But. Yeah, it's it's really wild, the light rising and falling out of the... Sure. And uh, there's stories of all, you know, people can oh, research yeah. it and look it up if they haven't heard about the Brown Mountain Lights. Sure. That's a worthy story to look up also. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It is. And it's played, Brown Mountain Light is played in uh, music history too, been a part of music oh, history yeah, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... It's um, you know, that's pretty, pretty broad. What else we need to know about you? About me? Oh Lord, nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, I, any, you know, you got anything else we need to know about your family, your band? Oh, the band's doing good. We're staying busy and doing what we do, and I love playing with them boys. We are actually in the studio recording right now. We're working on a record, and hopefully, I have that out real soon. Okay. Uh, hopefully, that'll be coming. Down the pike. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. And you are going to be in our area really soon. At yeah, over at the Dragonfly Wine Market coming yeah. up here. Yeah, what's the date on the that? The date on that one's going to be November 14th. That's actually my oh. birthday. Oh. We'll be here on that day. And uh -huh. then uh, November 7th here this Saturday, we're going to be at Point Lookout Vineyards right. up in Hendersonville. Well, that sounds good. So come check us out if you get a chance. I'll have to tell our listeners that a uh, computer blew up. Yeah, we had a little uh, time with that. We're running this from... Uh, the smoke didn't get too bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> Pretty embarrassing for me, but, uh, but fortunately, um, I went back to the very beginning of when I started this podcast and ran it from the very original app that I did it in. And Hopefully it's, it's working just fine. Well, I, it I think is. it has, and it uh, this app has worked to get this podcast to about
about 40 countries. So Wow, that's cool. So I'm, sure somebody, I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm sure somebody's sitting in Iceland saying, yes, I got to listen to this mandolin player. You know? yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. But, you know. Well, they can look up the record if they want to hear any of this off my little solo project. It's called Off the Cuff. Okay. They can go on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Deezer, any of those sort of platforms, right. Google Play Store, right. and just search Gabriel Wiseman and the album's called Off the Cuff. It'll pop up. I mentioned that Geneva's Dream. If you want to use that to play your sure, I intro, will. yeah, I will. That's a. I was in. I was standing in the kitchen playing around with this little melody that I. I was just goofing around with it, and it was starting to come together a little bit. And here comes my daughter Geneva, in the kitchen, and she is just beside herself. You know how kids can be. Yeah. And she's going on and on about this crazy dream she had where me and her mama married her off to some older man. <laughs> and uh, I forget all the details, but this dream was really something else, you know. And she's just all excited and going on and on about it. And then she asked me when it's over, you're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> like, you're not going to marry me off to this man who sells chocolate and, or some, you know, some crazy stuff. So anyway, I ended up coining that one Geneva's dream. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. But, yeah. Man, I appreciate being a part of the show, and uh, well, thank you so much for having, I appreciate having you me on here. bringing your very interesting story to the Earl Scruggs Center and being a part of it. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Mm -hmm.